to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com what is pleasure pleasure is anything that makes you feel good pleasure is an experience pleasure is your birthright you deserve pleasure i'm nicoletta heidegger sex therapist sexologist and host of the podcast sluts and scholars and i'm michelle lamore international burlesque artist empowerment advocate and host of the podcast look down there and together we are into pleasure into pleasure is a pleasure positive virtual event where a diverse group of intimacy experts present varying paths to pleasure you'll learn from nicoletta where you will discover how to prepare your body for pleasure and learn how to remove those pleasure blocks. Goddess Coco Meow will show you how to combine beauty care rituals into your kink and BDSM play. Javé DeBay will teach you how to make the home movies of your fantasies. Leafbound and Icarus will show you the ropes in an introduction to rope bondage, where you will learn special knots and witness a demonstration. And finally, I'll be leading you through a pleasure recess where you will learn how to access pleasure in your body and move it through your body all while listening to your yes and only doing what feels good. You can join us for the full day or you can choose your pleasure a la carte and pick and choose the classes that work for you. Anyone who registers for three or more classes will receive a digital gift bag that include discounts to pleasure products and services. All classes will be on Zoom. So if you can't attend live, no problem. Everything will be recorded. Into Pleasure is for all women and marginalized genders who want to explore more of their pleasure potential. Whether you are just starting out or a pleasure pro, Into Pleasure is sure to please. Join us on April 2nd for this pleasure positive virtual event. Don't pleasure delay. Grab your tickets now at intopleasure.com. See you on April 2nd. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I'm very excited to welcome Michaela Bohm. And in German or Austrian, it's actually Boom, uh, which <laughs> she teaches and counsels internationally as an expert <laughs> in intimacy and relationships. Born and raised in Austria, Michaela combines her training in psychology and extensive clinical counseling experience with her in-depth training in the yogic arts. A gifted speaker and counselor, her unique body of work centers on the intersection of intimacy and embodiment. Known for her work with high-performing individuals and her ongoing private practice clients, including Oscar-winning actors, multiple Grammy-winning musicians, producers, and business pioneers. Michaela is the author of The Wild Woman's Way and the founder of the Non-Linear Movement Method, which is a powerful somatic release modality. Her work has recently been featured in Gwyneth Paltrow's Netflix show, Sex, Love, and Goop. She lives on an organic farm in California where she rescues and rehabilitates animals, and she actually knew me when I I was a small baby uh, and somehow worked with my family. And now we have reconvened in the world of fucking. <laughs> I mean, how, how perfect is that, right? <laughs> I think it's great. And we both, yeah, work with animals. So welcome back. I'm so yeah. glad to have you. 
Well, I'm so thrilled for many reasons, because number one, I like what you're doing with the podcast. Number two, yes, we know each other from way back when, when you were four. <laughs> of course, you don't remember that, but uh, I know you. <laughs> all, all I was told about when I was four is that I used to go to the Union Square Park in New York and take off all my clothes. So that's apparently what I was like when I was four. Hey, Things things have progressed nicely. <laughs> Literally nothing's <laughs> changed. Nothing's changed. <laughs> okay, yes. so getting back into it, what is the wild woman archetype and the wild woman's way? Like, how do you identify this wild woman archetype? Yeah, it's good that you start with that because I think it's one of those things that's uh, vastly misunderstood. Um, you know, a lot of people, including some people who have... Uh, taken up that moniker, you know, um, think it means, um, unregulated, uh, crazy fangs, claws, spitting, you know, um, destruction. And actually, which that's, sounds fun for a which minute. Which sounds fun for a minute, but that's not the entire package. Um, the wild woman is actually an, a Jungian archetype in the sense that, uh, it's the, it's the portal into our connection to the wild, to the natural world. And of course, um, in our bodies, we have that connection. We have cycles, right? Um, and it doesn't matter what kind of body you have, right? We have circadian rhythms. They're all bodies have circadian rhythms. Um, there's, of course, menstrual cycles. There is um, cycles of uh, rising and falling of hormones. You know, yeah, cycles the, of our life. Yeah, and cycles of our life and cycles of development. So the wild woman is the archetype that plugs into the uh, deep you know, and very ancient knowledge of the rhythms inside of us and outside of us. Of course, nature has rhythms, the moon, the tide, uh, you know, sunrise, sunset, all of those things. And we're intricately connected with those rhythms and they mirror in our body and our emotion, also in our minds. And so the wild woman is the the portal into that information through the body. And because the body is where these things can be sourced and brought to life and then um, used uh, positively to navigate, you know, our both internal system and then externally. And so there's much more to it than, you know, fangs and claws. <laughs> How did we lose her in our culture? Why is she something to be found again? How did we lose this part of ourselves? Yeah, well, the thing is, it's there. It's always been there. It is always available, right? She's never lost, but she is often not heard. And one of the ways to describe this, and I think this is in general how I would like to describe embodiment, is that our the nature that is our body and with it, of course, the internal landscape of our feelings and associated thoughts um, is essentially always speaking. But depending on how much noise there is, and that noise is internal noise as well as external noise, we can't hear that as much as we would like to. So she's always there. She's always speaking. Our body and our um, inner landscape are always giving messages. But it's a little bit like um, if you are at some loud concert, your friend next to you uh, will have 
you know, can speak to you, you won't hear a thing. They have to scream really loud into your ear till you can hear mm. them. But then if we would... And then you to, usually don't hear what they say anyway. And you usually nod don't hear, anyway. you nod, exactly, right? That's often how it is when we are in the middle of our modern life and our body speaks to us. Now, if we would be magically like matrix style, right? To be transported into a quiet library in the moment your, your friend speaks to you, they would sound insane, right? They'd be screaming on top of their lungs in a quiet room. <laughs> right? So that's your metaphor for the messages of the body. So we have a few options here. We can either decrease exterior noise or we can increase our sensitivity, our listening, internal voice, internal voice or we can do both, right? And mm. ideally we do both. So why is it lost? Well, it's always there, but there's so much noise, actual noise. You were talking about Union Square Park. Uh, that's, that's one. <laughs> but loud, my wild woman was out, you know. The wild was woman out. was out. You're, I, I know that park well. Good squirrels, <laughs> everything, but it is loud, right? Yeah. There's, there's Broadway and there's Fifth, I think, or something like that, right? It's loud. So, so there's external noise, um, but there's also social media, uh, computers, phones, all the information we get. There's constant barrage of information, you know, overload. And then there's internal noise, negative self-talk, doubts, and so on and so on. Also, and, and I think the generations of like systemic quieting of the wild woman's voice, you know, I yes. think we live in a culture where in capitalism, we are taught to not listen to that voice, you know, we're supposed to be like no pain, no gain. And you just keep going when you notice something bothering you, you're just supposed to like white knuckle and push through to be the best and do the That's best right. and do all of the things. And so I think we're taught to ignore it. We're taught that that voice is weakness. Um, and then as women, just to like shut up and acquiesce that's right and smile and look pretty and mm -hmm. also just tough it out right so there, right. there's all of that uh societally also just technically speaking so to speak right but then there's also something else that uh uh folds into that that's i think worth mentioning one of the main barriers to embodiment there's three i i defined three barriers to embodiment there's more mm -hmm. of course but one is essentially stress right internal and external stress overload anxiety the yeah. other one is because then it's like being in your body is feels horrible horrible right and also stress in itself fight or flight makes you not be connected with the body because it's useless you have to override your your feelings and your also sensations bodily sensations mm -hmm. so you can live to get through it yeah exactly so you know if a bear appears on your doorstep um how you can't body be like what am i feeling in my body exactly what is the fur what does the fur look like <laughs> i want to look at the glistening of his teeth <laughs> Yes. You don't go, hmm, shall I hit the bear or run? Right? You're dead oh, by then. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. So yes. yes. So there's that. Then of course there's overload, both external as well as internal. And then there's trauma, right? Which is one of the main reasons I think why often nowadays we also can't go there. Because when we go and listen, there's a lot of gunk and a lot of pain and a lot of contraction and a lot of unpleasant feelings. So who wants to feel unpleasant? So it's easier to not feel and override than to actually 
um, clear the well, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm imagining it being not easy, but easier to access the wild woman if I were in one of your classes and we were dancing and you know doing you know at a, at a retreat type thing. But like, what are some examples of accessing that voice and being a wild woman in your everyday life? Yeah. I mean, I also want to say that the wild woman, of course, is equally applicable to men and women. You know, it doesn't matter if you identify or, you know, or biologically deal with the, the endocrine system, right? It has to do with the nervous system. And so, as an which we archetype, all have. which we all have. So, as an archetype, it's called the wild woman archetype. But, like, for instance, as an archetype, it's called the warrior, and it still applies to both men and women, right? And so, the wild woman as an archetype could be kind of the archetypal expression of, um, the connection with our nervous system, connection with our bodies, most um, intricate mechanisms of well-being as well as survival. So it's not only surviving, it's thriving. So yeah. and for how- folks who don't know that word archetype, um, definitely check out some like Jungian things. But I, I guess I, I don't know how you define it, but I define it as like a a character, a role that like really embodies certain. Um, feelings, sensations, experiences, um, and there are so many of them. How do you define archetype? Yes. Well, I would say that the archetype is essentially a brought into awareness representation of the collective experience uh, mm. of humanity. So you said it all, you said it better. <laughs> Well, I wrote an entire book about it, right? So I better, I also teach an entire archetype course, by the way, which I love because essentially what it is, is um, a lot of that stuff is submerged and Mm -hmm. in myth and in story and in archetypal expression, the, the, let's say, collective experience of humans is brought into a form that we can all understand. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. So, you know, when you look at myth, uh, you look at the, the archetypal ex- uh, expression or depiction of something we all have, right? Mm. In us. And so we yeah. can find ourselves in that archetype and then use it as a filter or a lens to validate our own experience. And at the same time, draw on everyone who's come before us, um, and their wisdom. I always joke because, you know, wild woman's way, of course, is WWW, that the wild woman's way is kind of the worldwide web of natural information. And if you can link back into the body, Mm. um, you are linked into the entire ancestry of humanity and the collective wisdom that arises from that. And that's useful. Yeah. Um, you know. And so coming back to what you were saying about for any gender, what are, yeah, what are some like real time, real life ways that you might see somebody accessing that part of themselves? Well, here's the thing. We naturally want to do that, right? So our body wants to do that. Uh, we don't always know how to do it. <laughs> or listen, like you <laughs> or said. Or listen, but we do it. Yeah, to, me, to me, it might be the smallest thing of like, oh, I feel like I should go out tonight. Somebody invited me to this thing, but everything in my body is telling me no, but I'm like, I should. Will they be disappointed? Um, blah, 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 all this dialogue. And then I go anyway. And sometimes I have a good time, but then I'm like, 
tired because I didn't, yes. I wasn't listening. Yes, yes, yes. That that happens a lot. Or you smile happily while inside you don't feel good, right? And you override your boundary function and things like that. But how you link back in is by essentially doing the things your body naturally does when given a chance. So what is that? So at home things to do. Enjoying um let's let's call it uh, sensory engagement. So sensory engagement would be engaging with the five senses. And we do that all the time. And that's why I'm saying your body gives you hints. What do you want to do at the end of a long day? You know, people want to have a drink or they want something good to eat or they want something crunchy or they, they want to lean back and watch TV, right? All of those are the body's attempts to engage with the senses. Now, some sensory engagement is better than others. TV not being such a good one. Um, you know, uh, certain foods better than other foods. But essentially, when you listen to that and you go, oh, okay, here's a way to connect back to my body. Um, I'll make myself a cup of tea. This is one of my favorites, right? I make myself a cup of tea. And with that cup of tea, I can engage all my senses. So... I touched a hot teacup, which I always like something that also has a texture. Mm -hmm. I, I smell the liquid. I inhale it. I feel what my body likes, like what happens when I, when I do that, which by the way, also trains you to become sensitive to what you like and don't like. That's good for your body. And also, uh, you know, you learn what repels you and what you need and things like that. When you actually smell your food before you eat it properly for a while, then you taste, right? So then you have to taste sense and then you can listen to some music or, you know, have, have something there and you look at the entire thing. You make it look really nice. You've engaged with all five senses. Suddenly your body's back online. So that's mm. one easy way. You could do that with a cold drink. You could do this in nature, right? What are the things that we do in nature? Well, we sit on the grass, we smell something, we touch a shell, we put our feet in the water. So very easy ways to connect back to that is through the senses and, of course, through nature. Or you and I are both, you know, animal, friends of the animals, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean... Sometimes at the end of a workday, I go and I just lean against my horse and I just smell, uh, you know, I wanted to have a horse since I was cognizant, I think. So till this day, when I smell my horse, it's like the most wonderful thing. It's like, it's all good things load up in my body and all happiness. And, and so then I'm back alive in my body. So that's one realm. The other one uh, I want to mention briefly is unstructured movement and the important piece unstructured so things that are unstructured would be just putting a song out and spazzing out to that song without performing or looking good or or performing the latest choreography or tiktok mm. moves right mm -hmm. just like <laughs> just like going for it or unstructured moving would be like jumping around on a trampoline flailing um rolling in the grass, playing with a child or a dog, um, you know, moving your body in, in however your body wants to move. Uh, those are unstructured movements. When you do unstructured movement, that entire mechanism of embodiment and sensitization um, loads up. 
I mean, it really is like returning to baby. I feel like, you know, you're like looking around and exploring, or, or I like to say to clients, like an alien looking at something for the first time, you know, you're kind of like, what is this? And being curious and kind of following where your body is wanting to go. Um, how do we make time for that for folks who are busy or maybe they're in like a cubicle or an office all day. I imagine you could still incorporate this and smell the office space, touch the office phone, <laughs> lay on the office floor or get a diffuser. Like some, there's something, but I think, I think the way you say it, it sounds so lovely, but like, you know, if we're not at a ranch with our horse, how do we access that um, when we're fucking busy? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, I might be at a ranch at a horse, but I work a good 16 hours a day. Oh, you know? yeah. I mean, so, totally. you know, from the moment I wake yeah, up, so you're the, the, you're the person, you're the person to ask, like, yeah, how do you but, stay like, embodied instance, when you are back to back? Yeah. Well, so here's a few simple tips. I'll show you a few right here. I have a really pretty cup on my a desk with my pens in it so that every time I look at it, it's pleasing. I have flowers on my desk. Even if you're in an office, you can have one flower. This here is my secret weapon for those of you who can't see this, which is all of you. It's uh, <laughs> Imagine it's, through your five ima senses. Imagine through your five senses. It's this beautiful golden spray bottle with mm -hmm. rose water in it that I spray on my face whenever I think about it. I can I have, smell it. You can smell it, right? I, I have lip it. balm here. I have a ball under my desk that has spikes on it that I roll my feet on. Mm. Um, and whenever, you know, like one of those hard balls with the spikes. So there, I typically have pictures and photos and things, and I always have tea. And because, of course, I work for myself, I have cool incense and things like that. But what I do is anytime I sit down to work, even I just do one thing. I light a candle or I spray myself or when sometimes when I have to listen in on nice meetings, lotion. nice lotion, right? You can always do those things and they're immediate bringers, backers to things. By the way, at the very end of my book is a whole list of, of hacks on embodiment, right? Yeah. Um, so that's doable. And then the other thing that I do, which I can highly recommend, is I do some of that nonlinear movement, which is just essentially moving my body while I brush my teeth. Mm, yes. Okay. So you've created the, or not created, but I think named it, but people do it in different ways. Hey, slutty scholars, happy spring. In this episode, we talk a lot about setting up your space for pleasure in a way that your body and senses appreciate. One way to do that is with our sponsors, Like a Kitten. The people at Like a Kitten are amazing curators and they select beautiful pleasure products. Like a Kitten offers subscription gift boxes, so each season you'll receive a new shipment right to your door with all the ingredients for a sexy time. For example, the spring subscription box is seven. Bucks, which is a great deal since the products in this box retail for well over at least 150 So celebrate spring with Like a Kitten as they are now offering you listeners 15% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash S&S or enter code S&S at checkout. Just go to likeakitten.com slash S-A-N-D-S or use code S&S to get 15% off these incredible boxes. Likeakitten.com slash S and S. And the link is in this episode's description. Now back to the episode. So what is the nonlinear movement method? Um, and what can folks expect from a, a class? 
well, I created the nonlinear movement. Nonlinear movement, of course, is not, is a term, right? That could be anything. But the nonlinear movement method is essentially an entire body of work that's based in my, you know, clinical experience, my trauma therapy background, polyvagal theory also has to do with the inner channels, like subtle body yoga, which is how I started out. Um, but that's, that's what went into it. It follows the principles of how do you regulate and de-escalate the body and the nervous system? How do mm. you unfreeze from a freeze situation? And how do you bring more pleasure and aliveness and vitality into the body? And so there is about 15 categories within nonlinear movement, um, of which five I teach also as a practitioner and teacher training where people can learn how to do that for their clients and in within other modalities. I have dentists, psychiatrists, I have doctors that work in refugee camps. I have a woman who teaches 90 something year old female Holocaust survivors in a retirement home who wow. are doing this in on stretchers and in chairs. And yeah, it's amazing. It's the most touching thing, uh, really, you know, uh, to, to see how it can be used. We have one doctor in Switzerland who works specifically with sexually abused refugee children who in, in, you know, who've come to Switzerland and stuff like that. But there's also just people who teach it like a yoga class and I teach it like you would teach a yoga class, meaning every two weeks for an hour. And so what it is, is essentially a series of instructions that allow you to reconnect with your body. And then the body starts unraveling any backlog of, um, you know, tension that needs to leave, emotion that needs to leave, thought loops. You can learn how to sensitize to pleasure in the body, which is something that we can all use on occasion, you know. Um, it really actually helps. We're in the middle of uh, designing a study that's going to be done at um, a university in New York where we're working with people who have, um, you know, real problems with arousal and uh, mm. uh, on how to prep the body so that the background pleasure that's always there can be felt and can be used for sexual Ooh, can we can we get a little taste of one of those movements well the movement is essentially however you want to move right so the thing the way you do it is um I, by the way i can also give you you can post that in the show notes there's some home practice um instructions and a playlist and a video intro introduction to the method so people yes. can actually do it but we'll put it in the show notes everybody tune in we can yeah. do a little lots and scholars non-linear party non-linear party right so all you really do is you close your eyes you have, keep your eyes closed for it and okay i'll do everyone listening try it now if you're not driving <laughs> exactly even when you're driving then you don't close your eyes, don't close but, your eyes. <laughs> uh, but so what you're doing is close your eyes we can do the seated right and with mm -hmm. your eyes closed, just feel, you know, where in your body there is sensation. So that could be physical sensation, could be emotion, could be thought. And then what you're doing is you're giving movement to that sensation. So, for instance, for me, my right shoulder feels a bit odd today. I must have slept on it. So all I'm doing is I'm giving movement to that 
kind of sensation. I'm not making it go away and I'm not bringing it on. I'm just moving with what happens. And as I do that, the next thing that happens is actually my chest kind of opened up. So I took a deep breath and now I'm yawning a bit. So I'm now just moving with the sensation in my chest. Yeah. And then I want to stretch. So now it's That's interesting. It goes from place to right? place. It goes from place to place. And so now I'm stretching and, you know, like I'm putting my arms back and I'm rolling my neck and oh, that makes me yawn again. Now I get a bit warm. So, so that's, that's all there is to it. Uh, there's yeah. more to it, but this anybody can do while they're brushing their teeth. Yeah. We need to like bring permission back to yawning because in as you probably know in therapy school we are taught to cover up our yawns we're taught to like do this like <laughs> pretend yawn where you like clench your mouth shut and you like pretend you're not yawning but everyone can see you're fucking yawning something's yes. happening um but i i try to tell my clients like and i think we've connoted it with like oh that means you're tired or you're bored um, but it's just a nervous system resetting, you know, it's, it's a great way to bring more oxygen and sure. Sometimes it means that you're tired, but like, I think it's, yeah, we need to normalize yawns in the therapy I am, office. I am definitely for that. And just, you, you know, when I still used to do nine hours of therapy a day, right. I did nine clients a day, five oh, days a week That's for, a lot. for 13 years, um, with two weeks off. So. <laughs> So there was lots of yawning. No, and yeah. I would say to people, I would say, you will see me yawn. It doesn't mean you're boring me or you're tired. It's just that my nervous system ever so often needs to reset. Exactly that. And then the other thing, by the way, when we talk about nervous system resetting and yawning, the other thing, I don't know, do you know about that double inhale? <sighs> Yeah, that one. So yes. another really good way to kind of get back into the body is <sighs> so you do the double inhale, 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 and then there's a tiny little bit at the end, and then you go oh, and do through the mouth, actually. I know. Can on continuous loop, that's like I think a holotropic breath that folks do in breath work, and you can experience a lot of interesting sensations if you do that over and over yes. some people also call it like a coffee breath because it arouses your yes. senses as opposed to like a slow nose breath which is going to make you feel a little more relaxed yes but i would never suggest anybody does holotropic breathing because it burns out your nervous system quite heavily um, it's much much better to let breath become natural and allow your body to do what your body needs to do. Hence, we need mm. to normalize the yawning. It's not to say that breath work isn't good for certain things, but you're putting an external structure on something that your body knows how to do much better than you do. Mm. So when you do external breathing, like what I just said, right? What we're doing is we're faking something that the body does naturally. Mm. Why do we need to fake something? Because we're not connected to our natural body. So, so you see it as more of like a biohack, like a short, a more of a short a bio, circuit. It's then. a biohack um, when you need it because you've gotten away from what is actually happening. Mm. And of course, in the long term, if you can rewild, so to speak, to your natural body, then your body does it. So one reason, for instance, this this breath I just described. Uh, <sighs> We do that 
when we sob, for instance, right? When we were at the end of crying sometimes. Mm-hmm, you know yeah. that, so what yes, it does is totally. it reinflates those little bubbles in the in the lungs when they've gotten too deflated. So it reinflates it, that double thing. And then as you exhale, you downregulate your nervous system. We do that naturally, and we do that naturally regularly. Now, here's one thing that I I've didn't know this either. I just found this out via, I knew about the breath, but I didn't know that the thing that I'm telling you about next, which is that when you look at a phone, for instance, uh-huh. right, for some reason, when you look at computers or phone, your body stops doing that breath. Mm. And I found this out in a great podcast, uh, which I'm a big fan of because it's such good stuff called the Huberman Lab. Yes. Shout out Stanford. Yes. Shout out Stanford. Shout out uh, to, uh, you know, Professor Huberman, Andrew Huberman, uh, who really has done an amazing job clarifying, you know, things that we all have heard about, but don't really know where it's coming from, right? And yeah. and he brings the science backed background to it. So I didn't know that actually looking at your phone suppresses that. So that's why I'm saying that double breath and the exhale are a good way to go. Yawning, great way. Let yawning happen. Um, other than that, I think um, other breath work can actually really mess with your system if you don't know what you're doing you know but but that's not to say that with a skilled practitioner and stuff like that it can't be useful yeah but, i've yeah. definitely heard different diverse things so we'll, we'll have to have one of my colleagues who does breath work on to talk about it but i appreciate that insight on it too of like how do we just come back to what our body normally knows how to do and to really allow that to happen and to make sure we know the things that take that away, like phones. Speaking of like the explaining, I guess, some of the science and things that are out there, a la Huberman Labs, I saw in an interview that you did somewhat recently where I think you were like reviewing that show, Sex Life. (laughs) (laughs) Which is really hysterical. You need to watch because uh, Michaela literally watches scenes from Sex Life and like picks it apart. (laughs) And it's like, it's so good. I mean, look, it's also a fun watch. It's fine if that's your like fantasy thing, but it's good to know that that's not, you know, sex education. Um, So I I saw in an interview that you did recently where you said you can create chemistry with almost anyone. Sexual chemistry, that is. Let's talk about that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, Well, I think the thing to be said about that is that sexual chemistry follows a very specific patterning in our bodies and our brains, while relationship follows a very different pattern. Mm -hmm. And you, I'm sure, get this a lot in your practice. I certainly did when I still used to do regular sessions is people don't understand the difference between a good relationship and a good sexual chemistry. And a lot of people think that when the the chemistry wanes or the attraction wanes, that's the end of the relationship or they're having relationship trouble. But that's not not a one-to-one equation. Yeah, or if we just fix fix the communication issues, then the spark will come back. It may may help with communication around sex, but it doesn't mean 
exciting eroticism. Uh, no. Well, that's also, I think, where you and I, uh, you know, probably uh, very much agree in, in the approach to, to working with people, right? It's such a bad thing to tell a couple whose spark has gone that they should do more handholding and walking together in, you know, touching in non-sexual ways because that's not where it's at and it actually can make things worse. Now, for some people, that's true because they have become relationally disconnected. Then you have to fix the relationship. But if you're just having issues with the sexual chemist, you just don't feel like it anymore. That's a whole other issue. So I'll try to be very brief here, but um, I'll, I'll make the differentiation. So good relationship has to do with commonality. So I always say the two the two phrases to remember that every American knows is birds of a feather stick together, right? So that's what is is the sentence that you remember for good relationship. Birds of a feather, meaning commonality, two people who have a lot in common can make things happen. That's even true uh, for you and I. We have a commonality by me once having worked for your parents, and hence we know each other. And so we have an immediate bond, so to speak, based on common experience. So that immediate bond based on common experience also happens in, you know, you work in the same office or you have the same profession or whatever, but it certainly is what makes a relationship workable. Common goals, common values, mm. common ideas. So even if, even if you have differences in how you like to experience erotic stuff, it sounds like in short, it could be enough if you have this commonality of we both want to have more pleasurable sex together and we want, and we're both willing to work on this together, that, that, yes. that's, that could be somewhat enough of a commonality in some ways. It, well, the commonality is, uh, the commonality is for, let's say, a long-term sustainable relationship. Right. For mm -hmm. that, you need commonality. The mm -hmm. more you have in common, the better your chances of long-term sustainable relationship, if that's your jam, so to speak. Right. So that requires that you agree. And so when people go to relationship counseling, what they typically should get in relationship counseling is somebody who puts them back into the same values, agreements, good communication, they're pulling on the same side of the rope, common goals, common purpose. That's what a relationship counseling should be like, right? Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to the erotic, all bets are off because actually the less you know about the person and the less you like them sometimes, the stronger <laughs> the sexual attraction. We yeah, so our job there. is to pull them apart. Exactly. <laughs> so so the, the, the guideline for strong sexual attraction is opposites attract, right? The further you are apart, the stronger the arc of attraction. So what that means is in the beginning, when you don't know somebody, everything's new, that mm -hmm. newness translates into separateness. The separateness translates into attraction, opposites attract. So mm -hmm. then of course, what happens is when people build more and more and more commonality, those opposite poles come closer and closer and closer together. And at some point you have two people in sweatpants watching Game of Thrones, farting on, on the couch together, <laughs> huddled together, touching. Nobody wants to have sex. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
The way, the way I say it to clients is it's like atoms or molecules that you can't have connection if you're one entity. Exactly. You know, you need two separate distinct entities to form a literal connection. That's right. So that's why you can have sexual attraction with about everyone, uh, you know, uh, because all it really takes, and we've all had that, everybody in their misspent youth, I hope, um, has had some crazy good sex with somebody that you would not even want to be seen on the street. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. But <laughs> but <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure you're remembering that person right now. <laughs> I'm remembering several of those. I, I, was, I was just uh, thinking back at the streets of Vienna. Uh, but we've all had somebody with whom we couldn't, because see, the reason I call it erotic friction in the work I do is there is friction, right? The friction comes from actually not getting, not being harmonized, not resonating. Mm -hmm. And so that friction makes it hot. That's why hot sex comes from the opposition. The hot sex comes from, like you said, two different entities. Hot sex comes from something new, something strange. That's why people go to hotels, you know, and then their sex, you know, the sexual attraction temporarily reinvigorates or when somebody goes on a trip and they come back home and they feel a bit stranger, like, you know, because they've done something else outside the home. Well, those should give you some pause, right? If that's what works, then you can create that at will in your intimate relationship of your choice with a partner with whom you have a lot in common, simply by doing yeah. the things that work when the sex is hot. So mm -hmm. here are some of the things that work when the sex is hot. You take the time. You actually make an effort, whatever that means to you. That could be anything from brushing your teeth to a full body wax. <laughs> Well, but whatever that meant when you first were dating, right? Mm -hmm. You take you take time, you make an effort, you do something new. You have interests outside of uh, the dog needs to go to the vet tomorrow, and little Johnny just spit up again, and <laughs> my boss is horrible, right? That's not sexy. Nobody gets hot sex <laughs> when you talk about office admin right maybe if that's your kink but like if that's no. your kink <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but if it's your kink then once again it's done within these brackets yeah of something new something different something opposite of what you're typically doing right yeah that's why kinks and everything that comes with it work because they take you out of your ho-hum uh what's for dinner honey let's you know kind of into that whoa, what just happened? You know, mm -hmm. we're suddenly in a different room kind of a situation. And so, yeah, you can have it with pretty much anyone. When I, when, when we all still used to teach live workshops in rooms together, one of the things I would do with very strong boundaries, obviously, is have people constantly switch partners and do the same exercise of making yourself different with mm -hmm. different partners. And then you realize very quickly, which is why that was so effective, that even with somebody who is not your type, and sometimes even it's new, is, it's yeah. new. And also, if you move and they don't, or they lead and you follow, those are the principles, right? Um, you suddenly are like, oh, and you're like, your head goes, 
this guy could be my grandfather or, you know, this guy could be my son or whatever. I right? mean, I, I'm into I'm, these roles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that too. But, you know, meaning we all yeah. have personal preferences and they completely totally. go away in the mechanics of leading and following, in the mechanics of stillness and motion, in the mechanics of the of separation. creating friction, creating yes. energy. Yeah. What is pleasure? Pleasure is anything that makes you feel good. Pleasure is an experience. Pleasure is your birthright. You deserve pleasure. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, sex therapist, sexologist, and host of the podcast Sluts and Scholars. And I'm Michelle Lamore, international burlesque artist, empowerment advocate, and host of the podcast Look Down There. And together we are into pleasure. Into Pleasure is a pleasure-positive virtual event where a diverse group of intimacy experts present varying paths to pleasure. You'll learn from Nicoletta, where you will discover how to prepare your body for pleasure and learn how to remove those pleasure blocks. Goddess Coco Meow will show you how to combine beauty care rituals into your kink and BDSM play. Javé Debay will teach you how to make the home movies of your fantasies. Leafbound and Icarus will show you the ropes in an introduction to rope bondage, where you will learn special knots and witness a demonstration. And finally, I'll be leading you through a pleasure recess, where you will learn how to access pleasure in your body and move it through your body, all while listening to your yes and only doing what feels good. You can join us for the full day, or you can choose your pleasure a la carte and pick and choose the classes that work for you. Anyone who registers for three or more classes will receive a digital gift bag that include discounts to pleasure products and services. All classes will be on Zoom, so if you can't attend live, no problem. Everything will be recorded. Into Pleasure is for all women and marginalized genders who want to explore more of their pleasure potential. Whether you are just starting out or a pleasure pro, Into Pleasure is sure to please. Join us on April 2nd for this pleasure positive virtual event. Don't pleasure delay. Grab your tickets now at intopleasure.com. See you on April 2nd. Yeah. Oh, I just like, there's so many more things I want to talk to you about. And sadly we have to wrap up. So how can people continue this conversation with you and the work that you're doing and check yeah. out your classes and books and all of that? I know we didn't even get into the real sexy stuff yet. So, <laughs> but this is important. This what is, is the real wait, what's what's the real sexy stuff? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, <laughs> orgasms and you know, like all different kinds of wild and wonderful things. Well, that you'll we just have to come back. This was yes, the all day, this was the all day foreplay, <laughs> and now we're we're simmering. Now we're going into some friction, yeah. and you all want it so bad. Yes, exactly. And you're bad, bad, bad. <laughs> all you listeners are so bad. <laughs> yeah. So no, really, well, you're great. Rate and review. Thank you. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, people can find me on my website, which I'm assuming you'll post in the show notes, MichaelaBohm.com. On there is lots and lots of free resources as well, uh, both uh, podcasts where, uh, you know, we 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 do different podcasts where we uh, publish some of the uh, Q&As I've done in live workshops. So you can hear me working with couples and individuals. There's also... Um, more lecture style material. There's embodiment stuff. There's dialogues with my teaching partner, Steve. 
um, who is uh, a wild man. Yeah, uh, hot, a, hot Viking looking. A hot Viking, man. yes, very, very hot Viking looking man, uh, Scottish and uh, really, nice. really uh, talented uh, practitioner and teacher as well. So there's all kinds of free stuff. There's also all the classes I'm doing. Uh, there's downloadable um, workshops. I've just published a relationship toolkit and a relationship course, which has exercises, practical exercises and stuff uh, about the very things that we just talk about that are, you can do at home either by yourself if you want a partner or with a partner if you want to just play around. And, um, you know, there's teacher trainings, live workshops. Uh, you know, I barely, I, I barely ever stop because I feel like it needs to go out there, you know, and, and so I'm, I'm, I've been very prolific in the last couple of years. So there's lots, both free, uh, low cost and, you know, usual stuff and more. out there and <laughs> yeah. more. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Michaela. It was so great having you. Again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing on the podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, or listen wherever you get your podcast, or check out slutsandscholars.com. Please don't forget to rate and review. Um, and we'll talk to you next week. Michaela, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you. <laughs>